0: What's going on, everybody? We're back with the Real Bodybuilding Podcast, and I am with the man of the hour, the talk of all bodybuilding circles, Mr. Mark Hector. How are you, man?
1: I'm very good, Fred. How are you?
0: Good, good. I uh, I was absolutely blown away by your physique in Spain. Uh, I think that's the first time I saw you uh, there competing, and then again in in uh, again at the the British show. And I think everybody that I've spoken to feels the same way about it. We're just kind of like you came out of nowhere. Is that, was was Spain, Spain was your pro debut, correct?
1: Yes, Spain was my pro debut. Um, I turned pro in 2018. Um, I did plan originally to do the British Grand Prix in May. Yeah. Covid, Corona, everything hit. So I got to start pushback. So yeah, Spain was my first show, my pro debut.
0: How are you able We'll touch on it really quickly. I don't want to talk about COVID stuff for too long, but how are you able to manage with COVID and lockdowns and all that? Like, Did did you already start dieting for the British early in the year and then had to stop?
1: Yeah, so I was out in Kuwait. So I was working with Abdullah um, for six weeks out in Kuwait. So we did a bit of an off-season and we started to go into a competition prep. Mm -hmm. And then with everything that was going on, I ended up coming back to the UK. So I was already in competition mode, dieting down and then with shows being canceled, just right yeah. into off season. But generally for me, I don't really go too far out. So we was just waiting to see what sort of shows, what might come up mm-hmm. and then dial it in for another show.
0: What's it like? Um, you, where did you turn pro at? The Olympia?
1: Yeah. So it's the Amateur Olympia um, in the UK, 2018.
0: Okay. And did uh, Bella train you for that too?
1: no so ernie taylor uh he was my coach back in 2018.
0: you mean ernie taylor like the triceps ernie taylor that
1: that that ernie taylor yeah (laughs) okay yeah so in 2018 uh me and ernie we did three shows so two shows was with a federation called the pca we won well i won my weight class Won the overall at the two shows yeah and then the last show we went to was the two bros Amateur Olympia, i wouldn't the super heavyweights, and mm. then i will won overall as well.
0: So if you turn, but if you do the PCA, can you, does that get you into the IFBB?
1: It doesn't, no. So the two shows with PCA was just separate. The oh, last okay. show what I did was just a straight amateur Olympia, so you didn't have to do no qualifiers. Oh,
0: you just, just walk is, on.
1: Yeah, you just walk on. You pay, pay your entry, because it was the first year two bros was doing the amateur Olympia. Yeah. So I was able like, to just pay my entry fee and just turn up and compete.
0: So how did those guys feel when they showed up you just walked on your first like <laughs> IFBB stream show and walk away with the pro Did you beat every? Did you win the overall at that show?
1: Yeah so uh, the, the top three from each category went through to well the top person from each class went through to okay. the overall and then the top three won the pro card but I won the overall and I got the sword as well.
0: Wow yeah. good for you uh, man. So how yeah, did you uh, thank you. So how did you hook up with uh, Abdullah at 02?
1: Well, there was a team when I competed at the Amateur Olympia who was out at the Amateur Olympia UK. And one of Abdullah's best friends, who's also a coach at Oxford and Gym, told Abdullah about me. So I think it was probably a day or two after I competed, Abdullah hit me up on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we just got talking in 2018. Um, Had the opportunity to go out and work with him from then. But I was quite new working with Ernie, had a few different things going on. And it didn't feel like the timing was quite right for me. So yeah. we still spoke. Um, and in 2019, me and Abdullah hooked up again. I think I posted a picture to Instagram. He was like, you're the future. And yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to message him and pick up where he left off before. And he's just basically saying, look, the opportunity is here. You want to come and work with me? Let's do it. And the rest is history.
0: <laughs> so I think for some people, I think for people out there listening, the... Um, the Kuwait thing is kind of a mystery. They don't know how it happens. So I know some people pay to go out there and I know some people are selected. Yeah. So so in your experience, you were kind of just sitting at home one day and you got an email.
1: <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> we'll, we'll go over that. Yeah, that's what I've got. I've got an email. And I accepted the email as well.
0: <laughs> so you get the email and they're like, come to Kuwait and train. And you didn't, you were like, what, what did you, what is, how old are you right now? I'm 33. So you are 31 at the time?
1: Um, the original, when he first reached out to me, I was 31, uh, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't take that offer initially. I yeah, but
0: the but question is, like, when you get that initial email from Kuwait, was it a moment of, like, elation? You're like, oh, God, you know, these guys see something in me, like, I want to go out there? Or was it kind of like, you know, you're kind of like, you didn't think anything of it?
1: Oh, no, no. It was, it was definitely a big thing. Yeah, It was definitely a big thing. I think the, one of the main reasons why I didn't take it because um, I've got a family, so I've got children, and okay. I needed to think about how can I support my family from going out to Kuwait.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I didn't have the resources, so I've got to think about long-term, how am I going to be able to financially look after my house back here and my children? So that was the main, one of the main factors why I couldn't go out then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but When the opportunity arose the second time, I thought, well, I've got to make a sacrifice. I've not made enough progress from 2018 to 19 when I turned pro. Yeah. And I don't want to go far in this sport. So it came to a point where I looked at all the different avenues in terms of finance and what's viable. And I thought, if I'm going to do it, I've got to do it now.
0: Yeah. How, how much did you weigh when you turned pro?
1: Um, I weighed 102 free kg. So that's so about 210 200. pounds. Yeah, about, so I think it's about two
0: to five pounds. Yeah, I think it's like 210 pounds, something like that, but maybe a little more. But um, so then in the first year from 18 to 19, how much did you gain? 2000
1: to 18 to 19 didn't really go as I expected. A few different reasons. I'm not really, didn't really feel like I got going, like I was still, I turned pro, didn't really get kicking into gear. Um, so it's just like I've got a pro card, but what's happening? I'm just, yeah. I've not making progress. What I need to be made.
0: What uh, I think people find a lot of interest in those stories too. What What do you think held you back that one year?
1: Structure. I needed a bit better structure. Me and Ernie had a good run when we was going into competition prep, and we never had an off season. It was. I was already on prep for my free shows in two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. and then he seen me. It's like, look, I can see the potential. Work together, you can definitely turn pro this year. Mm-hmm. So we worked together, had a successful um, room to turn pro. Yeah. Then
0: Then two thousand
1: eighteen, things just didn't quite go the way you expected in terms of growing an off season. It just felt like I never really got our
0: first gear. Was the diet? It was, was, a diet. It, was it the diet, or what was it about that? that after you got your pro card, what was it that didn't click?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll probably say it's the diet, the diet phase. So to, mm-hmm. to truly grow, you need to think about increasing your food more than what you've been before. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't um, the structure what I needed to really to be put on the muscle tissue.
0: Yeah. yeah, so then you decide to go to, so in 19, you decide to go to Kuwait, you got a second chance.
1: So in 2019, I think it was November, the picture I posted, On Instagram, when Abdullah commented back, um, when he said the future, we started speaking. um, And then it was in December, we were speaking a little bit more. He said, look, the opportunity's here. I had a conversation with my work. They couldn't hold my job for longer than two weeks. And I was like, well, if you're not going to hold it, then I'm just going to go. Because uh, this this is what I want to do. So it was in January, I finished working in the UK. And in February, I was out in Kuwait
0: so what do oh, you how many how many kids do you have? two girls so you have two girls are you married or no? I'm not married no. so you go to Kuwait you have two girls and you quit your job yeah <laughs> so how does that, I mean look I, I respect the, I respect the sacrifice but that's yeah. ter- that's terrifying so how do you like how did you decide to like how did you figure you're going to manage how does how did it work out?
1: so look at the time I had a sponsor what was paying me wage not enough to cover my bills back here but it went towards covering some part of the the bills that i had back home yeah um, and i had some online clients as well where i was able to offset some of the, the costs sure unfortunately i've got quite a good family base as well so my parents said if at any point you need support then we would help you because we support you fully in, yeah. the, you know, in your goal in your dream
0: that's really cool so cool. another question about the kuwait guys i know that sometimes they also if they find somebody that they feel like is very you know has a lot of potential, they'll actually pay for them to be out there. So were you were you having to pay for your apartment and all that or were they taking care of your food and your apartment and all that stuff. Are you allowed to talk about that?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if i allowed <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> but um, I was looked after. I was looked after. Okay. okay I was okay. looked after. Yeah. I don't
0: I don't I don't think it's a secret. I think yeah. you know I, I think they have different from from what I know they have different tiers where yeah. If they find somebody who's very, you know, in the upper end of the potential spectrum, they take care of them. And then they have a second thing where uh, people can go out there, but they have to pay for their apartments and their food. And there's a third thing where they, people have to go out there and have to pay for coaching and pay for the whole thing. Yeah. So I, I was in the first tier. You're in the first tier. I was in well, the first I, think, I actually <laughs> think I, there might be, I'm not positive, but there might be a tier above that where they, yeah. where they, where they actually pay you to be there. So, okay, all right. I'll,
1: I'm waiting for that tier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, judging by how you look, man, you're on your way to that tier. Um, Thank you very much. Okay, well. so you got out there. When did you get out into Kuwait? how What month was it in 19? I was
1: out there at the start of February of uh, this year.
0: Oh, of 2020? You went out there? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, this year.
0: Okay, so how long were you in Kuwait? Six weeks just what, six weeks what kind of progress did you explain to people what the kuwait thing is like what happens when you get there
1: okay well when i got there i was thinking i've only spoke to abdullah on the phone is he actually going to be at the airport yeah <laughs>
0: so that was the first thing yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I was there. um it's just a structure so you live eat breathe sleep bodybuilding so from the moment i wake up in the morning um i'm heading to the gym i'm doing some cardio i'm doing maybe some abs routine or some calves um, I'm doing my main training session, and then back to the apartment, eating some food, and sleeping. I've
0: heard I've heard, I've, I've, heard I've heard that heard the my... uh, Kuwait experience is like they have a key to your room, and they're basically you're under their watch at all times. Is that is that, is that true? <laughs> I don't I don't know who's told
1: you that, and how how people <laughs> make that story. But it's for me going out of there. Abdullah just wanted to make sure that I was comfortable it's okay. like, you're coming out here the first time, you're on your own. I don't want to feel like you're isolated and you're you're homesick or anything like that. But I'm quite an independent person. Yeah. And for me, I was going out there with the intention of, I'm just there to eat, sleep and train. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be socialising or doing anything. I just had one focus and that yeah. was to improve. But Abdullah was just like a big brewer. He would message me, call me like, are you all right? I'm going out for some steaks, food. Do you want to come with me? So he involved me with everything that was going on, but I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it because when I was here in the UK, I was working a nine-to-five job and then I was mm-hmm. training and then I was doing personal training and I couldn't put everything into being the best bodybuilder. So being out there and just having one focus, it was perfect. I was, I felt like I was in heaven.
0: So you love the bodybuilding aspect of it, obviously. I mean, any, any true bodybuilder would see that. But was there an, any element of homesickness or boredom because it was just training? Or were you like, I don't care. This is what I'm here for. I'm just going to sit and train.
1: I think with technology now, it makes things a lot easier. So I was able to still communicate FaceTime, speaking with my children, speaking with my family. You've got WhatsApp. There's, there's still that communication there. And it's just the bigger picture. If I wanted to go far in this sport, I can't let the yeah. emotions of being homesick take over I've got to think about I'm here for one purpose yeah. and that's to progress to help myself also to help my family so I never really had that.
0: Were there any other pros uh, there in Kuwait when you were there or was it just were you kind of there on your own at that time?
1: Yeah so I was actually sharing a room with uh, Vlad so he's He's
0: uh, Vlad, Vlad.
1: prepping for the Romania show at the moment okay so I think he's a young bodybuilder 23 okay. um, so I shared an f- um, apartment with him um, Nathan deAher was out there as well okay uh, my training partner was two twelve um, Ahmed Danny. okay yeah, so we were trained together quite a few of the times, and so then you had was...
0: so you had friends there, like you had other people oh, yeah yeah
1: yeah, definitely yeah. yeah there was people there, so it wasn't like you just on out there you're on your
0: own. there was definitely people around me could speak to it sounds like a, it sounds like a bodybuilder vacation. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. And the best thing is, I
1: didn't even have to cook my meals. The meals are already prepped and yeah. there, sorted out. So
0: that's that upper tier shit. You're in the top. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what I mean. <laughs> it's
0: really good. Um, so, what kind of gains? Because I see people go there and explode. And I didn't follow you before. You know, I I think I just recently started following you, so I didn't know kind of what you looked like, but. What kind of gains did you make from that time you got there to the after the six weeks? Like, is it dramatic?
1: Yeah. So, when I first went out there, I was weighing around 116 kg, and yeah. the heaviest yeah. I've ever weighed in any off offseason, 118. I actually got up to, I think it was
0: 128 kg. Okay. So, you, gained, was, yeah. so you put on 25 pounds pretty much because eight, so yeah. you gained, uh, you gained 12 kilograms, which is about, uh, 24, I'd say 28, 25, 28 pounds, something like that. That's a yeah. lot of weight to put on six weeks. Yeah.
1: And you could you could still see visible abs. My waist was still small.
0: So you do, Now let me ask you about your waist because it, it drives me insane because I'm <laughs> genetically not, I'm the opposite of you. I have <laughs> yeah. th- thicker obliques. Is this a genetic thing or is this something you consciously work at, having that small waist?
1: No, it's genetic. So my dad's got this small waist. And mm-hmm. um, the broad shoulders, the big, big arms, and yeah. decent sized chest. So, for me, yeah. it's genetic. I do do vacuums to try and make my waist smaller. And that's something what I want to practice when I'm on stage hitting some shots as well. Mm-hmm. Generally, it's genetic.
0: So, when you go home from Kuwait and you come back 30 pounds heavier, uh, what's it like when you get home? Is everybody like blown away? Is ever, are you like, are you fueled up and now even more motivated to get even bigger? Or, like, where does the plan go from there? So
1: when I came back from Kuwait, I was actually starting my cut. So I did about four weeks off season to gain some size, and I was two weeks into a cut. But then I came back, and the cut we was in lockdown, so no one really seen me. All they could see was the pictures what I posted online. But what was visible to my family, like when they picked me up from the airport, it's like you've changed,
0: yeah, you've grown, you've grown. I want to touch on your family later because I think it's really awesome that your parents are that supportive. But I want to go back to Kuwait for one minute because. It's, yeah. it's, I think, you know, sometimes I get, sometimes I skip over the X's and O's of bodybuilding stuff. And I think some people that are listening really like that. So yeah. I want to go back to the Kuwait and the 28 pounds or, or uh, 12 kilos, however you want to say it. Um, Because someone's going to inevitably ask me, how, d- how did you put on that weight? Like what kind of meals are you eating? Why, how did your diet change? I guess, what was the meals, the ch- difference in meals from, your food at home that you're eating, but between that and what Abdullah put you on when you got to Kuwait?
1: Well, we, I was eating food that I didn't even think I could manage to eat. So like back a, at home, yeah, I was probably eating like five to six meals. Yeah. We, were, we were pushing seven to eight meals. Are you serious? And, yeah, I, I'm not a big eater. I could, I can't eat a lot of food. But yeah. I've done it's like, if you want to grow, it, you've got to eat. Yeah. So some meals sometimes took me up to 45 minutes an hour. <laughs> In one sitting
0: to eat the food okay it's
1: like, it's like do you want to grow or do you not
0: <laughs> yeah see that's the thing i i'm so glad you said that because i get so many dms from people who are like i just can't gain weight and i'm like i don't think people understand what we have to do to get to the size we are yeah uh, especially somebody who's a hard gainer i mean you're probably genetically like a leaner guy yeah
1: that's right when i when i start putting on weight
0: yeah um so I've never eaten seven or eight meals in a day. How often are you eating? Like every hour and a half?
1: No, well, we generally we wake up quite early. So I was waking up Uh, quite early, probably around six o'clock, seven o'clock. And that's when my meals start.
0: So every couple hours.
1: Yeah, spread it out throughout the day. But some training sessions, I was training sometimes twice a day. Yeah. So we have got to make sure you've got to get those food in early to make sure you're fueled for the, the
0: work. Are you napping a lot during the day? to recover? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> again, that was great because yeah. i never had that option before. So
0: yeah.
1: I would, if I were, for example, when we train back, I would train hamstrings in the evening. Yeah. So yeah. I would train back probably around one o'clock and then after mm-hmm. we finish training back, back my post-workout meal and shake, then I'll probably sleep for number two hours or so. And I'll wake yeah. up, get a cosy, in, and I'll go back and train hamstrings.
0: So you literally literally <clears throat> eat, sleep, train. That's all you're doing yeah, every day.
1: That's it. That's it.
0: What? With, uh, one,
1: with One rest day a week.
0: And you're doing two days every day.
1: No, just uh, two days once a week.
0: Okay. So what day was a two a day?
1: Uh, so the, the two a day was when I was training back and then I'll do yeah. hamstrings in the evening.
0: And everything else was just one body part a day.
1: Yeah. Generally one body part or I might do a smaller body part like arms, like biceps yeah. with um, uh, chest.
0: Yeah. Um, what okay, so kind of can you break down what one meal would sound like? Like, what was one meal before you went to Kuwait? What would you normally eat? Like, just See, give, this,
1: this, is where, this is where it's quite loose. So, before I could have been eating, so in Kuwait, we go by cooked weight,
0: yeah, yeah. So,
1: back here, I could have been eating maybe like 150 grams of chicken with yeah. like 200 grams of rice.
0: That's so nothing, get,
1: yeah. We get to Kuwait and I'm eating right, we eat steak, red meat's good for you. So, it could be like 250 grams of steak, then we're eating 350 grams of sweet potato or white potato. Yeah. It's like,
0: oh, okay. So, they taught you how to eat? Yeah,
1: they've got to eat.
0: That's like, to eat. I don't even know how you turn pro on the previous diet. 150- yeah, I know, I know, I know. 150 grams of, ri- of chicken, 200 grams of rice. It's not no, I don't. No. All right, so you come back, you put on all the size, COVID hits you got to take a break, and then when do you start prepping for Spain? When did you realize, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this? And did you put on any size? Like, were you able to do anything substantial in, in the time of COVID when you were kind of off? Were you still able to train?
1: Lockdown was a blessing. If, if I'm going to be honest, I'm glad that that happened because that gave me a chance to put on more muscle before heading into my first shirt. Okay. So I could have competed in May at the British Grand Prix, yeah. I don't think I would have had the quality of muscle what I've got now from having that extra time so, so looking for me I had a setup okay so I could still train um and I was able to still make progress in that time but I was able to use the principles and the methods what I learned out in QA to then transfer into my training here even though the equipment was different
0: what was, it was what was the setup like where were you training
1: um what I had is,
0: are you allowed to say <laughs> I don't know I, don't know who, I don't know who's listening.
1: <laughs> um i i had access i had access, I had access. to okay. to training okay. so I was
0: good i was yeah. good i think a lot of us uh i think i don't know what the law is there but i think there was a law i think there's a law here in canada that if you have professional status as an athlete you're allowed you're exempt yeah and you're allowed to like go into a gym and train so i don't know if it's like that anywhere else i don't know i don't even know if somebody just made that up and told me that and i i ran, <laughs> I, I, ran I ran with it but um okay so Co the the shows open up and you decide to do Spain. That was the one you decided to pick. You yeah, picked, or was it something right. else? Yeah. yeah. And then you and Abdullah are just working through Facetime, WhatsApp, like
1: yeah, yeah. So me and Abdullah we speak Germany three, four times a day. Really, uh, every day. Yeah, our communication is I've never had communication like this before. Really. So, yeah, even when the gyms open back up, um, I would go to the gym and it would say, "What self have you got equipment wise?" Mm-hmm. So I would actually go to FaceTime and I'll show him what equipment's in the gym, showing him around. They like, right, okay. Well, in Kuwait, we did have this machine, but we need to work. For example, I want to work on your lower chest. Yeah. We've, not, we've not been hitting lower chest. So we need to get a decline chest press machine. Where, which gym has that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm
1: going to, yeah. to that gym what has got that machine and then he's setting my workout for that day.
0: That's the most That's intense, the most intense yeah. uh, like coaching system I've ever heard of.
1: Yeah, his attention to detail is like no other. I've never, I've never had that before.
0: Yeah, but that's that top tier shit. You shouldn't say that. Because yeah. now other people are going to expect that same. You're going to be like, how come I'm not talking yeah. to him four times a day, right? Gonna- <laughs> yeah. And then every, every day
1: we day send I'm sending a check-in video, um, especially during prep, because he wants to see how my body's changing. So if I've had like refeed meals, he wants to see, okay, how, how did your body look the day before compared to this? Mm-hmm. So, okay. Right. And then he takes that note, so they'll say, when we head into what they call the peak week, peak week
0: yeah, yeah. and know
1: how to run certain foods and certain times to make sure you stay in
0: condition. So you said refeeds, does Abdullah do cheat meals or just refeeds?
1: It was more, well, he did both. He did a bit of both. Okay. You know? So um, yeah, he'll, he'll look the carbs when, when it was needed, or yeah. he'll say, right, okay, we're going to remove a meal, I'm going to put in like burgers. Let's see how your body responds.
0: Do you find your body burned, burns fat pretty quickly? Yeah, it does. So you're not, did you do a lot of cardio or no?
1: I was doing cardio. I was doing cardio. I'll I say to her like, I don't think I need to do this much cardio. <laughs> but it's like,
0: <laughs> we're
1: not in condition yet. You've got to do the cardio. But I did, I just followed the plan. Yeah. I just followed the plan. So we was doing cardio in the morning. We was doing cardio after workout as well okay so the, the intention with that was he wanted me to be ready at least a week early yeah so when we're ready early then we can back off i don't want to be pushing anybody hard into the final phase because we need to be able to relax and ease off.
0: yeah that makes yeah. sense so you go into spain and it's your pro debut and you know did you know all the guys who were doing it
1: um i knew most of them yeah i've seen the lineup so i knew most of the people who were competing there
0: how would you did you feel like what's a I remember my pro debut and I was a nervous mess what was your was your pro debut more were you more confident were you more nervous like how did you feel going into it
1: I was confident I was yeah. confident yeah I was confident okay. I was confident that I was bringing my best to the stage yeah and generally when I prepare for a show you see me backstage I'm away from everyone else I'm totally in my zone thinking about what I need to do there's it doesn't make sense for me to be looking at. Other people and thinking, oh, this is this bodybuilder be there. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you start to get derailed from what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So I was just focused on my job, and I was confident with what I was bringing.
0: So is that how you you kind of eliminate the pressure on yourself by kind of just staying in your lane, doing kind of what yes. you need to do?
1: Yeah. If if you see me backstage, you're probably thinking that is this guy even here to compete? Because I'm just in the, in the corner on my own. You probably don't even notice I'm there because that's how I find. I can get prepared for a show best by just keeping myself to myself, not getting distracted, not really engaging in conversation with anyone. Yeah. Just because I like to think about what I need to do.
0: Okay. I never found, I found that when I was backstage, I wanted to have, I found that the camaraderie um, kind of trying to be more friendly with the other guys would reduce the pressure for me. But you you kind of the opposite. You're like, you want to be in your own little zone and focus on that.
1: Yeah, but I think that comes as well because my background before bodybuilding was athletics. Okay. And that was uh, sprinting as well. and It's the same sort of mentality, whereas I'm just thinking about tunnel vision. I've got to focus about how I'm going to get out of the blocks, how I'm going to perform to get the best times. It's the same backstage. It's like, okay, right. I know when I go out on stage, I'm hitting the front pose and then I'm going quarter turn. I'm processing everything in my mind to keep yeah. me focused, okay. and I feel like if I start having a conversation with someone else, I'm going to lose sight of what I need to do.
0: I see, I see. So, uh, describe the show to me. You go out there, you do your first pro show. Does it feel like the amateur show, or does it feel different?
1: Um, it doesn't feel like an amateur show. It, to be honest, I did. Although it's on a pro stage, yeah, I just felt like it's another show. Try not to put the pressure on okay, right, I'm competing against all these other guys. Just go out there and enjoy it. I think mm. when, when I go out and enjoy it, it would just feel like another show.
0: Yeah, and that's how it was for you. You just enjoyed it. Did you enjoy the yeah. the comparisons and everything? You were, you were good the whole way through.
1: Yeah, I was, I was completely fine. Yeah.
0: So where did you end up finishing in Spain? Seventh? Yeah, Six? I finished seventh. Seven. Yeah,
1: seven.
0: Were you happy with your placing there, or what did you think?
1: Um, I would have liked to have been higher, but yeah. I also know that, I brought my best, so if that's the highest I can place against such a tough lineup, yeah. then I've got to be happy with that.
0: Because yeah, it was a very good lineup.
1: It's probably the biggest show next to the Olympia this year, and to come seven from your first show, yeah, that's
0: yeah. still a good going. Yeah, of course. So then after that, you decided to do the British. Now there's a there's a lot of heritage in British bodybuilding. Yeah, and you had James doing the show and Samson doing the show, and uh, you know a number of other UK bodybuilders. Was this, the British show kind of a bigger thing for you? Like you really wanted to make your mark there?
1: Um, to be honest, when I finished doing the Spain show, I swear yeah. if I put my emotions were quite high. And I was like, I don't know if I can come back better than what I did in Spain. Yeah. So I was like, I think I might just shut it down for the year. And he okay. was like, okay, if that's what you want to do. And then like a day after I called him, I was like, look, I'm ready. I was like, I can't shut it down for this year. I said, yeah, I've come yeah. too far this year to shut it down after one show. Yeah. I said, let's come in bigger. Let's come in drier and let's just bring something else. Yeah.
0: yeah. You got the post show letdown. You finished the show and you're like, I need yeah. a break. And then a day later, you realized you didn't want a break.
1: Yeah, couldn't, I couldn't have a break. There was yeah. more. There was definitely
0: yeah. more. Yeah. So, what did you guys do differently leading into? The British, did you change, did he add more food? Like what did you do? Yeah, so I was
1: able to to increase the food. So um, in the Spain show, the carbs were reduced. This time I was able to keep the carbs higher. I was able to keep the protein source um, with a bit more red meat in there as well because that keeps me fuller. I was able to reduce the cardio down quite a bit as well. Mm I think mm -hmm. with those changes, it helped me to come in fuller and uh, more conditioned and less stressed. Yeah, yeah, my body wasn't had, didn't have so much output
0: from the cardio. So you walked into Spain, you walked into the British, and I think you walked away with fourth there.
1: I, I was third.
0: Third, third. That's right. Yeah. You were third there because yeah. I I don't know why I don't know that because I did the breakdown for it. Um, yeah. We were watching it. Uh, me and Paul. Paul's an IFBB judge. He's a friend. He's my best friend and training partner yeah and uh, we were blown away i mean ben Chat was on with us and we were talking about it and uh we were doing the commentary and when you came out we were just floored by your physique man like
1: thank you
0: and it looked like you had so much polish when you came out and you kept it all the way to the very end yeah because like because some of the other guys like you saw some of the guys fading as 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 the the judging and everything went on where you kept everything in check all the way from the beginning to the end. Were you happy with your placing at the British?
1: Yes. Yeah, so my goal going into the British was I wanted to get the first call out. So okay. I wanted to move up the ranks from the my first pro show. Yeah. So I wanted to get the first call out, and then if I got the first call out, my goal was I want top three. Okay. I want to battle for top three. So finishing third, of course, everyone wants to win a show. Yeah. But my goal was if I got third, I'll be happy with that and. Yeah. Lucky okay, for me that did happen. But yeah. with what you were saying about the polishing, what I find is the more I pose, the harder I get. Yeah. So the more the rounds go on, it's better for me. And that's something when again me and Abdullah sometimes we face timing at night. Yeah. Night, ten o'clock and we're doing rounds of posing. Yeah. And the more I pose, the more cuts come out, the more uh, faster I get. So I've been conditioned for posing. So is, it's, do it's you fine. Like,
0: Is that something you do getting ready to go out before you go out on stage? You do instead of pumping up? Do you just do a lot of posing or no?
1: No, I I don't. Don't really do any posing before I go out.
0: But you just get you get sharper as you go during a pre judging.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, get sharper.
0: All right, so you take third, you celebrate, you kind of reach your goal. What's next? Now you're taking a break. You're just putting on size.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did think about Romania but um, like you said in one of your, one of your podcasts, sometimes you've got to take a step back to take two forward. Yeah. For me, finishing third, I feel like I achieved what I needed to achieve for this year. I would have loved to have competed and qualified for next year's Olympia. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned through moving through the amateur ranks, going from show to show to show, it's hard to maintain a certain level. Yeah. So for me, if I went to Romania, I'm not convinced that would I have brought my best yeah. Sometimes you just got to listen to your body. And take that step back.
0: Well, I think there's only a few positives to doing Romania. If you thought you could win and qualify for the Olympia, that would be yeah. a, bit, a big deal. Or if you know if you could place in the money and you wanted a check, that would be another. That would be another reason. It's only a, it was only a couple of weeks away, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And um, but there isn't really any other positive other than those two things because you've kind of already proven who you are. You've showed the judges who you are them seeing the same package again doesn't really help you anymore. i think the next time they see you they want to see you better.
1: yeah that's right.
0: That's so, right.
1: And, you, that's the, and that's the feedback i got from um, the judges at the british just like your shape's great, your physique is good, we just want to add a bit more muscle to that. Yeah. and is i'm they, not going to add no muscle from a week and a half going into another show.
0: yeah it makes did, sense
1: to shut did, it down.
0: did they give you anything specific to work on or did they just say overall size?
1: overall but work on also um hamstrings from the rear yeah hamstrings from the rear
0: do you mind if i give you our critique if you don't that's I'm,
1: fine i'll take
0: I'll, it on board let's <laughs> listen to it um, <laughs> well no because me and paul were talking we we're absolutely blown away by your physique and paul's like and like i said he's a, an IFBB judge and he was like if he can build his legs more and the thing i noticed you know when i started you have a very wide shoulder structure And when I started, I had the same issue. My shoulders were very wide and I thought my legs were big enough, but because my shoulders were so wide, they wanted my legs to be bigger. They kept telling me, you need bigger legs. You need bigger legs. So I had to make my legs actually bigger than normal just to like get them to match my shoulder width. So that would be the only thing. Like we were like, if, if, uh, if Mark builds his lower body a little bit more, And then the only other thing I thought was your lower lats. If you got, because your back is very, very good and it starts very low. But if you, (laughs) if you thickened up your lower lats, it would be like lights out for, from anybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm a huge bodybuilding fan. So like I'm excited to see what you do over the course of the next, because I told the guys we were watching, I'm like, this guy in two years, top of the Olympia, like we're talking like at the top, top six. That's what I think you can, that's what I think you can do. So.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Um, what is the plan now for the off-season? Are you going back to Kuwait?
1: Yeah, so the plan, me and Abdullah have been speaking already, post-Olympia, um, all being well around January time, I'm going to head out to Kuwait. I'm going to have a long off-season out there. I'm not sure what shows are going to come up, but we want to try and do a show where I've got a good maybe three, four months of yeah. building out some muscle before we cut back down.
0: So you're looking at probably not competing until August.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if the, the longer it can give me with um, the chance of qualifying for the Olympics, yeah. I definitely.
0: think it's a great idea. I think, yeah. I think sometimes guys rush too much, like they want to compete too often
1: Yeah,
0: and they don't take the time they need to actually build onto their physique. So yeah, I think that's a great idea on your part.
1: Yeah. So, so I'm really looking forward to that, more than six weeks out there.
0: So I want to touch on the family aspect, Do you, you said you aren't married.
1: I'm not married, no.
0: But you have a girlfriend. Yes, that's right. So how does it work when you go to Kuwait? Is your girlfriend like cool? See it in a few months or like how does that work?
1: Well, my girlfriend isn't the mother of my children, but yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's also a bikini pro. Okay. Bikini pro, so her pro debut was the same show as me. Yeah. Um, but Kuwait is flexible and she does have friends out in Kuwait as well, so we can we kind of can work things out
0: around when we actually still see each other. So is she allowed to come out to see you?
1: So she's got a friend who lives out in Kuwait. So, yeah. yeah, she can stay at her friend's house. She can still see
0: me. I didn't uh, explain to me. <laughs> I should probably know this since I'm, I'm Middle Eastern, but I don't. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you some specifics and maybe you can tell me the answers. I don't know if you're allowed to say or not allowed to say. I don't know. But what are, what are the rules for women in Kuwait? Is there any rules? Like, are the women just allowed to come and go as they please? Like, do they have to wear a headdress? Like, what is it?
1: i'm not sure of oh, all of those stuff I well i just mean like
0: happy. when you i mean when your girlfriend comes to visit is she like a, oh she, no covered up
1: yeah you're covered up you're still wearing yeah like, you're not showing flesh or anything like that. You are yeah, wearing, yeah yeah
0: so she comes to stay and she visits and so if you go for like three or four months she'll come and visit you a few times and you guys will be okay
1: yeah probably uh, like we've not i've not been out there that long to be able to have that um actually, yeah to, to know what that's like but yeah Either way, if I was out there for three or four months and we didn't see each other, the goal still remains like she supports me 100%. So if I'm out there for four months, there she is now.
0: Is that her? Hi. Yeah, that's
1: her. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm out there for four months, the goal still remains like you've got to do what you got to do.
0: So you guys have that kind of understanding, that kind of relationship? Because me and my my wife have talked about it before because I was asked to go out there a long time ago and I didn't, but we we usually talk about like how that would go and I always felt like... I don't know if I could, I mean, thats it's a lot of discipline on your part to be able to yeah. just, you know, take off and leave. And it's a lot of sacrifice on her part, too, to be yeah. able to be understanding enough that she can just say, okay, go do what you got to do. I'll see you when you get back.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: So, I mean, it's all awesome. for the greater good, right?
1: This, this is it. And uh, because we are both so driven with our goals individually but collectively, um, it's something we talk about and we work on to make sure that, you know what, we've got to look at the bigger picture here. And if it means that my best um, chance is being out there for a period of time, then we just got to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. How often are how often are you with your kids?
1: So, uh, it, it varies. Right now, it's locked down, so it's different.
0: Oh, that's uh, right. That's
1: yeah, right. It, it's different. But I do see my kids. My my oldest kid is actually an elite gymnast, so she trains like twenty four hours a week. So right now, with lockdown, she's not too happy because she can't get to train.
0: yeah yeah. well i was gonna i was asking because i wanted to know what it was like i always ask everybody with kids because i don't have kids i always ask them what it's like to diet and get ready for a contest when you have kids and you have to take them to restaurants and they have junk food in the house and all that kind of thing so you haven't had to deal with that yet
1: it's tough no i I do have to deal with that and uh it's just one of these things kids you can't i can't say to a kid right I can't let you have this McDonald's or this food because I'm because they're kids and yeah they don't necessarily understand that and this is my choice and for me to be the best like parent I, I want to be I still want them to be able to enjoy the things what kids should enjoy mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What um, what's your off-season situation like are you because I've interviewed people you know like I've had Sergio and Keon on and You know, if I talk to those guys, they say they have a lot of junk food in their diets in the off season, like, because they can get away with it. So they're just like, you know, Keon flat out said to me, you know, I usually have one junk food meal a night. So is that, does that fit into your off season plan? or Are you very strict all year round?
1: So at the moment, I'm, I'm not really following a set meal plan. I'm just having a bit of downtime, but if like when I'm out in Kuwait, the food's set. So if I'm eating six or seven meals a day, that's six or seven meals a day, what, I'm expected to eat, I'm not thinking about it. I need to go and eat something off plan. Yeah. If we have, generally on a rest day, we was having, um, going out and having some food. But I'm, I'm structured, whatever it takes, if I have to eat seven meals on plan, I'll eat seven meals on plan. But uh, I can get away with eating some junk food. Yeah, it looks
0: like it. Yeah, it does look like it.
1: Definitely.
0: What, if, what if, yeah, you're so lucky, man. I can't, if I, if I eat any shit, it's like I see it the next day. Um, yeah. So what did you, how did you get into bodybuilding, so, and why did you get into bodybuilding so late? So my background before,
1: like I said, was athletics, and yeah. I really um, enjoyed that I had good sprinting times for 100 meters and 200 meters, um, and then I sort of transferred my, my sprinting ability, because I had to decide to do some weights, into the gym, I just enjoyed weight training. Um, I think one of the reasons why I didn't want to compete, because I didn't want to wear the trunks on stage, I see these little uh, trunks, I, was like, I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Um, but I went and seen a few competitions, and I thought, you know what, I think I can do this. I can yeah. do this. Coming from a sport where athletics is individual, um, it's the same with bodybuilding. Although you have a coach who supports yeah. you, ultimately it's you going on stage yourself. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I started late at 26, is when I'd done my first show. Um, I won my first show, and I just got a buzz for it.
0: What's the what's the fastest you ever ran a hundred meter? Ten point seven. Jeez. Ten point seven. So, and what? How did you get over the trunks? What? What? What made you? <laughs> what made you realize it was okay? You're like, ah, I got to put them on. It doesn't matter.
1: I just I needed a focus. I needed yeah. a focus. Like I I come from a very sporting background, so I played a bit of football before. Yeah. I done athletics. It was like, what do I do next? Yeah. And in athletics, I was always that person who had the fast times, had the potential, but it didn't quite make it. So I think the next thing what, what just worked for me was, right, I'm already training in the gym. Why not give it a go at bodybuilding and see what I can do?
0: I have a question for uh, you about bodybuilding because I think a lot of this questions come up in, in other times. You know, I used to talk to Luke about this at times. Do you think you chose bodybuilding or bodybuilding chose you? And what I mean by that is some people love bodybuilding like they love everything about it they want to be a bodybuilder they want to be in the gym all the time and some people do it because they're good at it like they they do it and they like it but it makes them like it even more because they're good at it so was it like was it one of those things that you started doing it and you realized hey i'm pretty good at this i'm going to keep going or was it like this is what i love doing and that's why i'm going this way
1: i loved it but i think when i started to see the changes and i was around people who had been around bodybuilding for years and it's like wow you've got something what not many people have yeah and because I was quite new to it I didn't really understand it but I I enjoyed seeing the changes in my physique yeah because i was seeing the changes and I've seen extra details what I've never seen before I, was like, I want more of this
0: yeah yeah I think I think that's solid because I, I remember when I started I've 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 asked myself this question so many times over the course of 20 years and I think it was just like I was good at something so I kept doing it like I fell in love with it, like because I was good at it. Does that make sense? It's not like I yeah, fell in love with it. Yeah. So it's almost like it's um, it's weird how that happens because it's not like you chose it. It's like you yeah. went you went there and like you're just kind of made for it. So you kept going. That's it. Does that make that's sense?
1: It. Yeah, that's it. And like going back to what I said with athletics, I didn't I didn't want to be that person where you had the potential but then you, you didn't do anything. So I went and yeah. did my first show and I not that and I was like right. This is my focus now. If I'm going to make something in a sport, it's going to be bodybuilding. So I'm going to put everything I've got to be a better
0: bodybuilder. You know, one question I always find really interesting is at what point did you realize, like, was it right after your first show or was there another point somewhere along the way where you're like, I'm going to make this my life? Because for me, like, I won my first show and I won my second show and I was happy, but I didn't really think that I was going to be a pro bodybuilder. I was going to make a living it was kind of like after where something hit me and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I left school and I was like, this is what I wanna do. So like, at what point did you like, did it click for you? Or like, this is what, how I wanna make my living for, for however long it, it is.
1: Um, I think there was a few different points. So I think in 2015, so in my first year of competing 2012 to 13, um, i had done four shows and I competed at the Worlds and the Europeans within my first year. Okay. Peter at those shows gave me insight what it's like to compete against guys who come in with great condition. Yeah. So I took two years off, came back in 2015, um, qualified for like the Arnold Classic, the British, um, the UK, and also um, the Diamond Cup it was at the time. Mm-hmm. In 2016, um, that's the qualification I got, I was set like, I'm going to win my pro card. This, this is my year. Yeah. It was actually the yeah. year that Luke won his pro card okay Uh, at that show and i stepped back and i looked at the people who won my class because i came six i was like i'm not ready yet yeah i'm not ready yet so i took two years off and when i did come back in 2018 i thought this is going to be the year where i'm going to go okay i thought every the show is what i had planned but this is the year that i'm going to turn pro
0: I didn't realize it was all those other shows beforehand. I thought you had just started yeah. competing in 2018. So you, did, you yeah. did like a whole bunch of shows before. Yeah,
1: so, so I started in 2012. Um, I won a beginner's class. And then I went... Uh, 2013. So 2012 in November was my first show. I won that class. Yeah. I think it was about 13 bodybuilders. Um, I went and competed in 2013 at nationals under 90kg. And I won that. And then that okay. got me... Um, selected to compete at the Europeans, in Moldova. I think I came about ninth in that class.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then I went to the World Championships, and I came dead last.
0: What but happened? I, uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. What I want to. <laughs> how? Why were you dead last, and how did that affect you?
1: I was dead last just because I wasn't ready for that stage. I what do you I mean? At
0: me. You mean conditioning or size? Both. Okay. Both. Okay. So
1: I was uh, still the same height, but I was weighing. I was like competing under like 85 kg. I was too oh, so. small, yeah, I was yeah. too small, too too tall and too small for that class, it wasn't right. Yeah. But I needed that experience because I've been winning shows in the UK. I needed that experience of coming last and seeing the level of conditioning from the other guys to then say, right, I've competed four times in my, fir- in my first year and now I need to take a step back, work on improving my physique to come back. And if that takes one year or two years, I'm going to take that time, and I actually took
0: two years off. Mm. Let okay, me. Okay, okay, heavyweight. Let me ask you this question: If, if you had done your first show and taken last, would you still kept going, or was it because you already won, you had already had some success, and then you took last it enabled you to keep going and want more? Like, had you had you encountered that placing in the very beginning, would you have just shied away from bodybuilding completely? You think?
1: Um, I think that's I think that's hard to say because yeah. even when I took out my membership with the federation that I competed with, um, I, I took out a four-year membership. So this wasn't just something where I was thinking and spur the moment I'm just going to do yeah. one show and that's it.
0: Yeah. I had
1: it in my like I actually want to give this a good go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but winning my first two shows and even when I went and competed at the European, I came like eight or nine. That was still okay for me because. Yeah. I needed these experience to compete against these international
0: amateur athletes to then push me on to the next level. What's the um, experience like for you coming up in the ranks with sponsorships and getting paid and finding the right company to be with? I know you're sponsored by HD. Uh, I'm not
1: actually with HD.
0: Oh, you're not with HD anymore. I'm
1: not with HD no more now.
0: I'm sorry. Who are you with?
1: I'm not with anyone at the moment.
0: I think I'm going to send you a contract then. <laughs> Let's let's hash it hash it out right here on the on the show. Um okay, well then let me rephrase the question. What's what's the landscape been like with you since you started bodybuilding as far as like that side of things cuz I think a lot of bodybuilders don't know what to expect when they're coming up through the ranks. They don't know what to expect from sponsorships, they don't know expect what to expect when they turn pro, they don't know all these things. So kind of what what's been your experience to date with that side of the sport
1: um well when i was an amateur i was quite fortunate that i had my first sponsor i was with them for pretty much to hold up my amateur's career so i was with a company called pharmafree okay um canadian based i was with them for about four years and although i was an amateur they treated me very well so they took me out i worked the olympia vegas twice the expo um they was really invested in me and through having that investment and understanding what it's like to be a sponsored athlete, even though I was an amateur, yeah. I was able to then take that into the other contracts when I turned pro as also almost like a baseline of what I should expect.
0: Mm-hmm. With that contract, were you getting paid or was it supplements? Or was it how, like, do you mind me asking that?
1: Yeah, so the Pharma Freak one, I wasn't getting paid, but it was supplements. Um, they gave yeah. me allowance towards supporting to pay for shows. Sure. Um, and when we went out to the expos for Olympia, they covered those costs, photo shoots. Um, they really did look after me as a an amateur.
0: And how did you feel uh, about the responsibilities being sponsored, like having to do photo shoots and having to do like all the different things that came with being an athlete? Did, did you welcome that or was it hard for you to kind of do those things?
1: That that was fine because what they was asking it was it was quite natural to me. It wasn't like they was asking me to do something kind of norm.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: sometimes with certain sponsors they might ask you to do something what starts to become like a job and detract from where you want to actually do what you perform yeah. performances in the gym. Where I never really had that with Farmer um, Treat, which was good.
0: Do you have a YouTube channel?
1: I don't, but that's something I'm looking into right now.
0: Okay. Yes. Um, I wanna before before we go i want to show everybody your physique and i want to ask you if you have heard the comparisons of your physique have you have you heard the, about the comparisons in your physique and who they com- they're they comparing you to
1: are we talking about brian buchanan <laughs> <laughs> is that who we're talking about
0: yeah yeah so this is like the main comparison i've been hearing is you and brian buchanan this is when is this picture let's go over some of these photos so what is this video from
1: so this is the day of the british grand prix that's my checking video first thing in the morning um what i sent to abdullah
0: do you think you look like brian buchanan <laughs> 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 we've got a, we've both got a small waist
1: uh but legs wise i think I'll, I'll take brian on that but yeah definitely got a very good taper
0: yeah you have a very very complete physique man it looks very good i mean yeah there's some areas that need to come up in size but it's like it's all there right yeah thank so, you so that's the day of the british this is you on stage at the british
1: yeah that's right so that's my posing routine
0: how do you feel when you're on stage is it natural for you or is it is there any fear involved or any any type of panic or anything? are you comfortable on stage
1: i'm comfortable this Posing and practicing is something what I do regularly. So when it comes to the stage, you know you're in condition, it's just to go out there and enjoy it and just let it flow.
0: Have you ever been on stage and not been in shape other than the time you took last?
1: Um, I would say 2016 when I completed at the, at the, the British in the UK, it wasn't the level of condition I wanted because what I did, I competed at the Arnold Classic two weeks before. Yeah. And I wanted to compete up to ninety-five kg because they had the, the point like the ninety-fives, the hundreds out in Europe. And with going ninety-five kg, I ended up sacrificing too much size and I ended up weighing like ninety-two.
0: So you've been on stage How do you how is your confidence level when you're on stage and you're not in shape? You still feel good or no?
1: When I walked out on Arnold Classic stage, I thought I'm not ready for this stage. I honestly I stood yeah. I walked out there and thought this this stage isn't for me for right now i'm not I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I've not practiced enough for my posing, and whatever the placing is, I've got to take it because I need to go back to the drawing board
0: so it goes to it kind of lends itself to that that uh saying that you know the confidence confidence is the best mode of preparation because or being prepared is the best way to be confident or whatever the saying is, I'm sure I'm butchering it but yeah. The more prepared you are, the more confident you're going to be on stage because yeah. some guys struggle with the anxiety of being on stage or the fear of being on stage and you're basically saying that being ready is the best way to combat that.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So well, practicing
1: practicing the posing daily, um, I'm a kind of person who likes to visualize my poses. So this posing routine for example what you're looking at now, yeah, I would go back at that and think, right. Okay. I need to change this shot to make it better. Yeah. because i think hit it right
0: yeah yeah um this is you and your girlfriend here
1: yes that's right yeah that was um i think that was about one week before flying out to the european spain sure. okay.
0: okay that's cool man it's good cool. how do you guys, how do you find being in a relationship with another competitor
1: you know what it's good It's good because we're both on the same wavelength, believe it or not. We still hit some sessions together as well. The majority of sessions, um, we we just help each other. So there's going to be days where I might feel a little bit more tired than her and Mm -hmm. she might be able to pick up the slack, like, okay, right. I'm going to go and get, get the food sorted out. And it it sort of just works as a good partnership.
0: Are you ever in a position where you're kind of at each other because you're both dieting and you're hungry? No. Don't, no. don't don't lie, we man.
1: Both, we look at, we both look at each other, and our, our stomachs might be rumbling together, but we're not at each other. We definitely look. are. You
0: are you saying that because she's sitting there, or are you saying that? Oh that? no, no, I can bring her in, and she can confirm that as well.
1: She can confirm
0: that. All right, all right. I'm just messing with you. Um. Okay, so I want to show everybody Brian Buchanan before we go because this is the comparison I was making. So yeah i mean i see it i it's been mostly just the waist but i i do understand the comparison just because it's not often you see somebody like with your structure with the wide shoulders and the tiny waist like that but his leg his legs are pretty good no
1: yeah yeah he brian's a good bodybuilder I'm. this is the era of bodybuilding i'm a fan of
0: who's got this a small my... who's got a smaller waist you or brian buchanan this is tiny man <laughs> do you think he's got you beat in the waist area or what
1: I'll have to I'll have to work on mine a little bit more because this the top picture in the left, that looks pretty small. This one? Oh yeah. my god. I've yeah. oh got see a waist.
0: Let's see. Let's see. see. Do you have any front doubles up here anywhere?
1: Um probably a little bit higher up.
0: Let's see if we can find a front double. There's one. I think he's got you beat, man.
1: Yeah,
0: I do too. Oh my god, that's nothing, right? <laughs> I'm, ex- yeah. I'm extremely jealous of both of you. That's a small waste um listen is there anything you want to kind of any message you want to put out there anything you want to say before we go i always kind of give people like the last word and kind of put out whatever message they feel like they want to put out about bodybuilding or anything else
1: i think it's just more than anything just so i've got to say a lot of thank yous um, in particular to Abdullah for the confidence that he's putting me in the trust and what he's done to help me on my bodybuilding journey and um, mm-hmm. it just means a lot because without him I don't think I would have been able to bring the package what I've been bringing to the stage and his level of confidence in me is definitely translated from when I'm going to, onto the stage because um, he believes in me so much mm-hmm. um, Baller as well from Oxford and Jim for all his help um, I've got some close friends in Leicester as well Reza who is he's just like a brother anything I need or anything he can do to support he's really there yeah. My partner, Kerry Sexton, um IPB Pro Bikini, um, and Rich from Pop Body's Gym. Um he he's looked after me throughout the whole of my competing career from an amateur to a pro. And I'm yeah. really grateful for those people and of course my family as well.
0: Yeah. Oh we didn't talk about that. Yeah. So two things I wanna I wanna ask you. Has your before we go quickly, I won't keep you too long. I just wanna no, know No, that's all right.
1: That's all right.
0: Is your It's very, it's not normal. I mean, it's a good thing, but it's not normal that someone's family is on board with their bodybuilding career. I I find it very, um, for lack of a better word, awesome because my family was never, they were never like, don't do it, but they were never like really supportive either. So I find it really cool when a family's actually really involved, you know, like Nick Walker said, his mom goes to all his shows and like, you know, Steve Kuklo's family's really involved. So I just find it to be really cool that way. So, Tell me about your family because you said your mom and dad kind of helped you that way.
1: Yeah, so my mom and dad are fully supportive um, of my bodybuilding. If my mom's ever at a show, I wouldn't have to tell my mom's at a show because she's probably going to be the loudest person <laughs> in that crowd. Um, yeah. But even on prep, so if I was struggling and, and I said, you know what, I can't make it to the supermarket to go get my food, they will go and get that food, they will cook that food, they will support me in any way they can because they just want me to be the best version of me. Yeah. And when I initially spoke to them about Kuwait and the opportunity, they was like, look, son, we support you. If this is where your dream is and your goal is, you've got to go and get it because opportunities like this don't come around very often and not not twice. So you've got to go and do it. So they really support you of my journey.
0: What's your background?
1: In what sense?
0: Like your, your heritage, your nationality.
1: Okay. So my mum is from Jamaica. I'm a Dutch from Antigua.
0: Are they so Caribbean? are they first generation UK or no? no. so are they is that the wrong way to say it? first generation? I don't know. I
1: don't know how you word it. <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> I guess what I want to ask you is they, they have...
1: they're, they're pretty much grew up in the UK they was only in okay. the Caribbean for okay. um, the early part of their lives and then they've spent the majority of the time here in the UK.
0: yeah yeah do you have any siblings?
1: yeah I've got an older brother.
0: And what does he think? do you think you're crazy?
1: no he, he supports me as well so people often joke my brother is six foot three and i'm the shorter brother but people yeah. say uh you're the bigger brother but the shorter one
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so that's you know what that's really cool do your, your brother goes to the shows too and everything
1: yeah if if he's around he'll, he'll go to the shows yeah okay but, um, even when i was competing in european my family they were streaming the show so they could watch it. Uh, they had to actually put it on Zoom, so everyone's watching it from the different houses because it's still in That's the awesome. whole Corona the thing. They was watching it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now my mum now, because she's so involved in it, she'll probably already Google you to watch this pod, this whole <laughs> podcast as well. Because she's so she wants to know more. So, she'll, so awesome. she, she said, "I spent hours looking. I've seen this interview with you. I've seen you on this person's Instagram." So yeah, she That's really
0: Okay, last question before I go, because I noticed you're wearing a Mark Hector shirt. Is that your own clothing line? Obviously. It, it's not
1: actually my own clothing line. So I do online coaching um, as part of the online coaching. It's just a logo, what I've got made up myself and it's just some clothes that I have.
0: So does every client get a free shirt? Like how does that work?
1: We, we're working on getting this out. So this is the first one I had when I was going to the shows. I thought, you know what? I need some clothing for myself. So I just represented it myself when I got to the shows.
0: It's your prototype is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, that's
0: what what I'm saying. (laughs) All right, all right. We're all going to be looking for the Mark Hector clothing. Okay, buddy, listen, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you kind of giving us uh, the background on who you are. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the off-season brings next year, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. I really do appreciate
0: this. Yeah, I appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. We're going to do it again. Uh, And hopefully next time you put on another 28 pounds, we'll have you back and ask you how you did it.
1: Definitely, and I'll tell you how. (laughs)
0: all right brother take it easy man
1: all right take care thank you very much thanks Bye. bye